0: Here are your hosts, Chase Palm And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be
2: on TV. Welcome to an extra edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm Neil McCready. Today on this very brief show, but a good show, I think you'll enjoy a unique show for us, Elliot Markison, former Lafayette High School uh, football player, former Ole Miss football player, Currently, a member of Team USA bobsled joins to talk about his journey, how he got from the south to uh, Lake Placid, New York, out in Park City, Utah, as part of Team USA on the uh, bobsled team. So we'll talk to him about that. I think you'll really enjoy about a half hour with uh, Elliot Marcuson. First, I'll just tell you real quickly, we're uh, brought to you by the Oxford Exxon. Oxford Exxon, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Uh, Stop in on your way, in or out. Uh, of Oxford make sure you fill up and also head in uh, they can take care of all your uh, beer needs uh, 34 degrees of sudsy goodness we tell you that all the time great beer selection to so make that a part of your uh, holidays as you uh, go to the parties and all that kind of stuff don't forget about the ribs and we'll be telling you about uh, turkeys and that kind of thing as we get closer to Christmas that's at the highway 6 west in Oxford Oxford Exxon I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours, right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. 662-257-1900, 662-257-1900, Elliot Marcuson and all guests join on the Campbell Clinic Hotline. The Campbell Clinic is in Oxford now, 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102, just across the street from the cottages at Hooper Hollow. The Campbell Clinic provides full-service orthopedic care, everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery to spine and total joint care to pediatric orthopedics, physical therapy, and more. To book an appointment, go to CampbellClinicOxford.com or call 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic, Monday through Friday, 730 a.m. to 4 p.m. Speaking of the Campbell Clinic, we go to the Campbell Clinic Hotline now and Elliot Markison. Elliot Markison, kind enough to join us here on the Campbell Clinic Hotline. uh. Elliot, I really appreciate your time. Your story is one that I kind of can't wait to dive into a little bit because when I I, I see us, we're Facebook friends, right? And sometimes I'm mm-hmm. on Facebook and I see something and and I was like, I didn't know Elliot was in bobsledding. And then, I, <laughs> oh, he's in real bobsledding. Like he's, he's really doing bobsledding. And it just kind of caught my attention. And I was like, hey, man, would you come on the podcast? And you were kind enough to do it. And here you are live from Washington, D.C., at least from today. Yep. Uh, Elliot, how are you?
3: i'm doing great neil thanks for having me on and it's it's always it's always good to be able to get back and share a little bit about you know my journey my story especially to the, the old miss fans listening i mean oxford's my home uh to this day old miss is my home and and lord knows my teammates now they uh they know i wear it proudly around the uh the olympic training center <laughs> so
2: we'll start there you uh you're the son of mike Markison houston nuts uh, assistant coach when they first got to Ole Miss. Mike was an offensive line coach. Great guy. Always great to me. Um, you move, I think you said you're in the eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade. You mm-hmm. go to Lafayette. You you go there. You end up playing at Ole Miss for uh, first two frees and then Matt Luke at the end. Uh, obviously, you didn't go on to the NFL, but uh, at, at what point in your football career did you or tell me kind of how this all came about, because you're, you're playing college football. You're, you're I think started as a walk on. You kind of work your way through. You, you find some playing time, those kind of things. But you quickly see that, hey, I'm not going to be an NFL player the only the the, the cream of the crop. And it's a very difficult to get there. Make the NFL. You finish your college career and then sort of take me from how you got from there to bobsledding.
3: It's a it's a it's a crazy journey. Um, I I, I just want to say first, you know, I was so blessed to play at Ole Miss. Uh, My time there, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Friendships, memories, coaches, mentors, everything that invested in me while I was there it was it was a blessing, especially to play for my hometown. That was it was special for me. Um, and I know we were talking a little bit about, you know, how the NIL transfer portal, all that stuff works now with, with college football, but, you know, going to Ole Miss, you know, it means something to play for the red and blue. Um, yeah, kind of when my football career was kind of coming to an end, I I had a realistic conversation with myself and I said, you know what, you know, the NFL is not, uh, I don't think it's going to be a part of my future part of my path. Um, at that point right before I graduated I thought I was going to be a college football coach or or go the AD route and try to work in the in the administration and 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 work my way up that way um Keith Carter's amazing amazing friend uh amazing man he's done a great job with Ole Miss athletics I was gonna go work with them in the foundation and just see where it went um and then I kind of I remember thinking uh, football had just ended. It was a couple months after the Egg Bowl my senior year where we beat them down in Starkville. Um, and I just remember thinking, you know, there's got to be a little bit more to life than college football, which, you know, I grew up the son of a college football coach. Um, grew up on the sideline of an SEC football team, right? I was an Arkansas Razorback from – gosh, some of my earliest memories were going to Razorback games. Um, yeah. And I talked to myself, from the time
2: you could from the time you can remember, you were either your dad was either on the Arkansas staff or then the Ole Miss staff, so you're it'd be big SEC West stuff, and you're seeing Alabama and Auburn and LSU and all those people all the time. I mean, that that was your life,
3: right? It was, and the the pageantry of the SEC, the history, the traditions. I mean, I remember being you know seven, eight years old, sitting in team meetings with Coach Nutt and the Arkansas you know football team at halftime right? Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, Peyton Hillis, some of the best running backs, you know, the Razorback program i ever seen. And I just remember sitting there as a kid and, and a lot of the lessons Coach Nutt taught to those college players, I didn't know it at the time, but they would end up residing with me, you know, all the way through my athletic career to even to this day. Um, but I, I could touch on a little bit of that later on. But I after college football, I I decided I was like, man, there's, there's more to life out there. And I want to see a little bit more of the world. And, and so I, I took a teaching position, uh, uh, teaching American English in China where I moved for a year pre COVID. Um, and then while I was there, the the community was small of the expats, uh, you know, kind of guys showing up from all over the world. And I got plugged in with the American football community in China and, um, did some coaching over there with the international Academy. And then, uh, it was cool got hooked up with the uh, nfl in china and they were doing a, a football camp clinic program and they hired me and they get that they hired my dad so they flew him out to to china he got to spend two weeks with him out there and um yeah that was kind of doing that kind of set me up to what you know my career is now and what i do um outside of being a professional athlete as a pops letter uh, uh i work in sport diplomacy so it's uh it's a blessing man and and so the the time in China ends. I come home, um, and I was my family was just living outside of Nashville. So I, you know, Nashville was an easy place to land. A lot of friends from Old Miss and moved there. Um, and I remember starting my first job in Nashville, and uh, I saw this kind of ad or just ad, kind of this like this this thing to kind of apply or, or to you know, if you're interested in doing winter sports, you know, you can. Um, you can kind of fill out a profile and see where it kind of takes you because in the United States, most winter sport programs recruit from old athletic pools. So, you know, especially bobsled, we recruit from you know track and field and football. It's kind of the two main things. Um, and so at the same time, I kind of reached out to a coach and a friend that I had a connection that I had known from old Miss, who at the time was working for the men's speed skating team. And I said, hey, you know, you know, what does this kind of look like? And then he kind of helped me through the process. And um, I remember getting accepted onto it. At the time, NBC used to have a show called The Next Olympic Hopeful. Um, I got accepted onto the show to go to Colorado Springs and, and essentially just try out for a winter sport team. I didn't know it was going to be bobsled. Um, and fast forward a little bit, you know, a month later, COVID happens, and they cancel, you know, everything shuts down. They cancel the show. Um, and I still remember thinking, like you know, I I had been reading up a lot more about kind of what it's going to look like and stuff, and so I was like, you know what, I really want to give bobsled a shot, right? You know, I knew the stories of you know Herschel Walker and you know everyone's seen cool runnings, right? So I was like, you know, I want to see what this is what this is like about, right?
2: Herschel Walker and Willie Galt, Ronaldo mm-hmm. Nehemiah, if I remember correctly, all those guys sort of ended up taking a a, a leap and did some bobsled <laughs> stuff, right?
3: Yeah, man. It's the, it's the wild West. I, I will say that we're, we're some Cowboys on ice. That's the, that's the best way I could put it. Um, and the, and you know, the, the recruitment after that was, it was just kind of crazy. Like I remember reaching out to the, the uh, director of performance at the time of the Bob bobsled team. And I was like, Hey man, like I'm still interested in doing this, even though the show got canceled. And he said, I remember your, your profile and everything. He goes, everything went virtual then. So he's like, I want you to do a virtual combine. Uh, I had to do a couple interviews. So I remember I'm living in Nashville. I have my roommates go with me to a local high school field. I do a bunch of combine stuff, uh, submit it, do a couple interviews. Like what
2: sprints and stuff like that or what?
3: Yeah, it was a standing broad jump. I think it was a triple jump, a 40 yard dash. And maybe there, there might've been one more thing, a shot toss, something to show kind of explosive power. Um, and then he was like, okay, I got your, I got your submission. Just, you know, if, if we like you, we'll, we'll hear from you or you'll hear from me in a, in a couple weeks. So three weeks go by, I'm getting ready to go to work. And I'm like, man, I didn't hear anything from them. They must not like me. Right. Um, and then I get a call. It's, it's, I'll never forget. It was a Wednesday morning. I get a call. I'm, get, I'm about to go to work. And it's that director of performance for the Bob said team. And he said, Hey man, have you, have you not been getting my emails? And I was like, no, sir. What, uh, I was like, what, what what's going on? He goes, man, I've been emailing you for a week and a half. I need you to do about 20 pages worth of intake paperwork, physical background check, all of it. And next week I need you to drive from Nashville to Lake Placid, New York to start your rookie camp. And I was like, all right. So that was me. That was initially me being thrown into the sport. Um, And then ever since then, man, it's been a, it's been quite literally a ride.
2: (laughs) So, yeah. So, so, you go to Lake Placid, uh, obviously the site of the was the 1980 Olympics. That's where the, the the Miracle on Ice happened. All that stuff. You get to Lake Placid at this
3: point. Have you ever been in a bobsled? Never, never. And that first camp we went to, it was it was all just essentially like pushing technique and doctrine and theory, and that was it. I, I really didn't get in a sled until the next year after.
2: So you go up there, and the whole thing is about when you say doctrine and theory they're the physics of it they're explaining to you how it works that kind of thing
3: yeah cuz a lot of, there's a it's it's a very uh it's a sport that's that's like uh every, it's measured in hundreds and thousands of a second so it's very technical right and so just learning how to push a sled properly there's a lot of kind of teaching and and, and a lot of coaching involved especially in a four man sled because i mean you you know, you're getting in there like dominoes, right? Like it's, uh, it's, uh, it's crazy. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of teaching and, you know, that's one half of the sport, right? The other half is actually sliding down the track, which is, that's a, that's a whole other animal.
2: So, and just correct me if I'm missing something if, or if I'm not going in the right order here, but your first time in a sled, you, you, <laughs> at this point, you've studied it, you've worked at it, they've approved you to get, They think, hey, this guy can handle a sled. Mm -hmm. First time in a sled, what do you remember?
3: Oh, man. It was actually in – we have two tracks in the United States. We have our home base, which is where USA Bobsleds house, and that's in Lake Placid. And then our second home base or our second track is in Park City, Utah, where they had the – I think it was the 2003 Salt Lake Games. Okay. 2006. So one of those anyway, and that tracks a little bit easier in terms of, uh, being able to handle it. Like the, uh, it smells rough. So, and so I go out there, uh, for my first, you know, sliding camp and, um, man, uh, <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing that is comparable or can even do it, do it justice explaining the feeling of, of just, you know, what your are seeing, your central nervous system's going through in the back of the sled. I mean, we, there was a study, some USOPC scientists did, um, this past season and the G's that are exerted on us bobsledders is the same as an air force fighter pilot, Um, And it's just pretty typical around five to six G's. So not for long periods of time, but quick bursts. And so it's, you know, it's, it's nothing that I, you know, football doesn't really football prepares you in a way of being, you know, mentally tough, being able to kind of handle some punishment, but man, that uh, those first, those first few days of sliding, it really, uh, it's, it'll wake you up for sure.
2: You're going about what? 80 to 90 miles an hour. Yeah. Yep. And you're going around these hairpin turns now, yep. once you get in the sled, are you controlling anything, or at that point are you just along for the ride?
3: Yeah, so I'm a I'm a brakeman. I'm a push athlete. So essentially, our job is to push a sled, get in, hold on, say a little prayer, and uh, make it down safely. <laughs> that's uh, kind of that's kind of my standard operating procedure in the back of the sled. Um, our pilot. We, so I'm in the back, and then we have a driver who who actually steers the sled. Um, and then when you're in those turns, you know, you're the the G-force and the pressure is essentially folding you in half like a like a lawn chair. And so you're you're stuck in there, right? Like you you don't see out the front. You just I pick a one spot in the sled. I look at it the whole time and I count the turns. I memorize the track just to help myself, help my kind of orientate myself to where we're at. Um, and how best I can be, you know, riding in the sled, right? Because it's all about time. How efficiently can we make it down? And and like I said, the, the sports measured in hundreds and thousands of a second. So, you know, if you if you if you're riding too high, you know, that's that that's drag that that's uh, that adds seconds.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed.
1: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I, I
2: just, I don't know. It's one of those things I can't even imagine, right? So I'm, I'm trying to, in my mind. Well,
3: we can get you in the back of a sled, Neil. I mean, we, we can make it happen. <laughs> So when you put an
2: amateur in the back of a sled, I mean, he, he's, he's endangering you, though, right? Because, I mean, if, 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 you, if you're not lined up correctly, I mean, I've seen these things crash. I mean, there's not anything protecting you from the ice. I mean, you're just in a, you're just in a tight suit to go as aerodynamic as possible. It's not like you're wearing. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know if, if the sled crashes, it's not going to go well.
3: No, I've been, in, I've been in a couple crashes. You know, crashing is just part of the sport. Um, I, the, the one thing I would equivalent to is, is getting hit by a, a really good pulling guard is what it, what it essentially feels like. And then you're just being dragged on the ice. And we wear a, we wear a special like Kevlar burn vest under our suit. So um, the, once you're on the ice and you're upside down, the, uh, the ice, the friction heats up. And so you can get ice burn on your, on your back. So we have to wear this special, uh, vest essentially under our, under our sliding suits.
2: So I know you're heading out to Utah here later this week, probably by the time people see and hear this, you'll be in Utah for another, another competition, another camp. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that the, the end game here is to get to the Olympics.
3: Yeah, so I'll, uh, there's different circuits. We compete every year. There's different circuits that Team USA Bob's like competes in. And uh, this year I'm on the North American Cup circuit. So uh, the last race of this circuit's in Park City. Um, so I'll be competing against probably like six or seven nations out there. So usually like most of the Canadians, uh, Israelis, um, I think Brazil might have a team. So it's it, it, Korea has a, South Korea has their team out there. So it's, it is a international, it is so cool going from, you know, SEC football where you see the best of the best, in my opinion, college football athletes. Right. And then you get to go to the international stage representing your country. And then you get to see some of the best of the best from other countries. Right. And you get the cross-pollinization and man, it's, it, it's fun and it's a blessing. And yeah, I think the, the end goal is, you know, to, to hopefully make the Olympic team um in, in 2026 and you know they don't name the Olympic team until you know three to four weeks before the Olympics. So it's uh, everything is measured in, in in quads. So four years. So it's just you know keep progressing, keep climbing, and and keep uh keep getting better.
2: So you're trying to make the team as a brakeman. Yeah. Is it brakeman, 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 whatever. Yep.
3: How do they measure you
2: against six other brakemen? I mean, what separates? Because I'm, I'm guessing it's very, very close, right? What, what separates you from the number one guy or the number four guy from the number one guy? How does that? How, how do they measure those kinds of things? How do you? How do you get to the top?
3: Yeah, absolutely. We have, we have inner team um, competitions all season. Um, the first one we kind of have is our put, national push champs, where we do, you know, push standards. We have an indoor ice house facility in Lake Placid. Uh, we do individual push champs and then we do combo push champs and those are weighed separately. Um, you know, on the men's side, the, the four man combos, those are, those are weighted the most. Uh, and then we have our team trials, which we just got done with in Lake Placid about a month ago. Um, unfortunately right before I was supposed to race in team trials, I broke my toe, uh, in a four man sled. So, uh, I didn't, I didn't get to race. I was kind of bummed about that. So, uh, but yeah, and and yeah, it's 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 a lot of testing. It's a lot of uh, a lot of attrition, right? Staying healthy—that's that's the main thing. It's a violent sport, um, and you know my teammates—they're they're phenomenal athletes. They're some of the best athletes from across the country in in different disciplines, different sports, track and field. Uh, there's a guy that uh, he was a swimmer. You know, we've got you know bodybuilders, and and you get the kind of the, the mixed gambit of athletes and you know we're all there to make each other better and, and represent team usa and and you know the best of the capacity that we can
2: so i was going to ask obviously in football you make a lot of friends uh, you know mm-hmm. on the field and practice because i don't know that too many people have ever said hey football practice is sure the most fun thing in the world right it's <laughs> it, it, there's a there's a bond that, that gets formed in the locker room and practice and that kind of thing have you developed those kinds of friendships in the bobsled world
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. Some of the, you know, memories and friendships that'll last, you know, a lifetime and longer. Um, met my girlfriend through Bob said she's on the women's team. Um, you know, and it's funny because you get these elite athletes from all over. One of my best friends on the team, he was a he was an Olympic. He was a, a medalist in the 2012 London Olympics. Right. So it's just it's crazy. You meet these incredible people, incredible stories. Um, and then once you kind of get together, you just kind of you just kind of become standard, you know, operating procedure. of you know, like we all do this crazy sport together for, you know, this fine, finite amount of time and just learn to love it and learn to love the process.
2: I mean I'm tell me if I'm getting too far into your business but you meet your girlfriend like what did you do like you met met at, an, at Lake Placid or something and you're just like hey I'm Elliot and we both do bobsledding is that was kind of a I mean give you something to talk about I guess
3: Yeah no actually we met in Park City for the first time and we were out there for it was my first sliding camp and she was already established on the women's team and they showed up for the competition, and I'd already been there, and we had a team Thanksgiving dinner together. And being from the South, being from Mississippi, I know how to cook some food, man. And um, <laughs> I was in charge of the turkey and the the ham. And remember, the, all the, the the women from the women's team were coming through, and I'm serving the the turkey and ham. And I just remember thinking, like, man, she's she's pretty cute. and I'm going to give her some extra turkey and see if she uh <laughs> notices me. And yeah, that that did not happen. She did not <laughs> she did not care. Um and then we kind of we reconnected and the, the summer after there, that. Like, is
2: it that simple? Just just a little extra turkey? Where that that yeah,
3: little Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's out. how I thought. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we, we reconnected uh over the that next summer in, in New York and um yeah, it's been it's it's fun. Yeah, we're the we're the bobsled couple. So
2: <laughs> So what is your uh what is your family? think of this. I mean, they couldn't have, this couldn't have been something at any point in your Ole Miss football career that you thought, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to one day try to make the Olympic bobsled team. I mean, that, that has to be, obviously it's a, at the holidays, I'm guessing when you're sitting around with family members, you're getting peppered with questions, but.
3: Yeah. And every time I come back to, every time I come back to Oxford, it's, it's usually the, uh, the first thing that gets brought up is, you know, what do you, usually it's like, what do you know about ice? There ain't no ice in Mississippi. And you're, you're right. I think I'm the I want to say I don't want to claim this title yet, but I think I'm the first bobsled athlete from the state of Mississippi history. I think um, that's a safe. So plan. yeah, so it's kind of funny, you know. My coaches, they just kind of think I'm a you know a redneck from from Ole Miss, but it's you know it's it's fun. Yeah, the my family they um, they uh, at first they thought it was a joke until I actually go to new york and then you know i'm sending videos of me going down in the sled and you know my poor mother i thought she was gonna pass out right my dad thinks it's the coolest thing right because he's my dad's from minnesota so he grew up playing hockey and you know winter sport was a a big deal for him growing up and now uh i get to do pop sleds so it's uh it's uh it's interesting and and it's part of the adventure and that's what kind of you know i tell people now it's like you know, man, put yourself out there. Go do some life's an adventure. Go do some fun stuff. Go experience it. You don't you don't ever know what could happen, right? I like you said, I you know, after my last game playing Mississippi State in Starkville, I had no idea I was gonna get in a sled wearing a USA uniform, right? But, you know, here here we are. God works in amazing ways.
2: What'd you learn from football? Obviously you were one of those guys that had to grind, right? They were, you, you weren't a star. There was nobody handing you a lot of stuff. This was pretty NIL and that kind of thing. I mean, what, yep. it's a lot of sacrifice for someone like you to stick in a program for as long as you did. What did you learn from it?
3: I learned that it's it's powerful to to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And for me, that was oldness, right? I loved the Rebels. I loved Oxford. I loved you know the people there. Um, I learned that you know adversity is a friend, right? It's something you embrace because it helps you become the person you are meant to be, right? Don't ever run from hard work. Don't ever run from being told no. Where I just keep grinding, keep showing up every day, and I think you know those are lessons also that were instilled in me, like I talked about earlier with Coach Nut when I was just a little kid, and carried those through. Um, and I had amazing coaches at Ole Miss, right? Um, and then my last year, my senior year, playing for Coach Matt Luke and uh, Bradley Pivotow was my linebacker coach, and man, it was uh, it was amazing. That that last that last year was uh, was a highlight for me.
2: Um. You talk about telling young people, which I think is pretty interesting is I'm a father of three pretty young people. My my oldest is 22. My youngest is 17. So they're in that age where you're trying to kind of figure out what you're going to do with your life. And that's a lot to even ever think about, really. Because when I was 17 to 22, I had no freaking idea what I was going to do with mine. So I, (laughs) I, I never feel like I can address that with any degree of authority, even to my children. You just sort of fake it. But you did take this leap of faith. I mean, not just the bobsledding thing, but going to China. That's a, I mean, like when you say that to me now in my mind, I think that's really intimidating. I mean, what, what did you learn from just sort of putting yourself not only out there, but like really out there to where, I don't know. I mean, that's just not, it's not, when I say not normal, I don't mean in a negative way. It's just, it's not, it's not an easy path. I mean, most people get out of college and they, they, go get a job and they kind of just get started with some eight to five grind. And a lot of times it's not particularly fulfilling and they get to be 23, 24 and especially a lot of ex-athletes who Mm. their whole identity, right, was football. And then football's over. There's no practice to go to. There's no workout to go to. There's no coach yelling at you. There's no study hall. There's no training table. And nobody really cares that you played football anymore because football's over and somebody new is playing football. How, How do you, what advice do you give based on your experiences to people who are trying to figure out what's the next chapter when a chapter is closed?
3: Yeah, I, I would say I look at those at, and, and I, I can't say it enough. I was extremely blessed and I still am to have these opportunities and do these things. And I think you're right. I, I didn't want a normal path. I didn't have a normal childhood growing up. Um, I, I, my sister and I we were extremely blessed and I think when it, ended for me. I looked at college football as, you know, that was one mountain, one peak that, you know, I I summited. Okay, let's go find that next peak now because you you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable and doing hard things. It's the only way you can grow. It's the only way you can keep progressing as, you know, for me, a young man, right? I kind of had this aspect, this idea, abstract you know, thinking of, you know, who I wanted to be, not what I wanted to do. I had no idea I'd be, you know, working or doing what I'm doing now. But I just knew in the back of my head, man, if I just keep doing harder and harder things, keep, you know, challenging and, and battling adversity. And then, you know, one day I, I believe I'm going to get there. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of praying, and a lot of talking with God. And um, like I said, I just can't, I can't explain enough how how blessed i've been and and, and china was a leap of faith I, re, I remember landing in china um my first night in the, i think the city first city we landed in my friend and i we were i think it was like 18 million people right you know oxford mississippi is what twenty thousand, maybe maybe a little more right than,
2: yeah not eight not a lot less than 18 million for sure yeah
3: right and so you know i remember getting on you know, a, a metro a subway for my first time and just thinking like, man, we're not in Mississippi anymore, but it was amazing. Cause it helped me grow. Right. And then just snowball compounding effect. Right. It's just next thing. And then, you know, when Bob suds over, you know, I'm going to go find that next peak. Right. And then I think that's how I kind of view life is like, keep, keep finding that next mountain, that next thing. And just, and just keep attacking.
2: Yeah. I'm curious when you say that, cause you know, I think all of us in life, we kind of start, you start thinking about what's next and, and that kind of thing. Do you, do you allow yourself to think about what's next or do you try to stay completely submerged where your feet are?
3: Yeah, I think a little bit of both. I think I tell myself realistically, like bobsled will end just like football, same conversation. Like it is a blessing to do it now and it will end. Now let me backtrack and let me appreciate every run, every rep, every time I get to wear the team USA uniform, right? Uh, it's, that that is living in the moment. And that's like, for me, it's embracing that and, and knowing that it'll end one day, and then it'll be stories I tell, you know, hopefully my kids and grandkids. Um, and then yeah, you just go on and, and find the next thing, which you know I'm working on a few things coming up in the future, and and you know establishing my career more, and and yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I might I might coach bobsled one day. I don't know. It's it's a it's a fun sport.
2: So you mentioned. How cool it was to wear the red and blue of Ole Miss. How in your do you even allow yourself to envision yourself on an Olympic stage, wait, wearing wearing a diff, the same red and blue, but representing Mississippi and the other 49 states and go. I mean, you know, competing on the biggest stage. Uh, that's the Super Bowl bobsledding, I'm guessing. Is getting to the yeah. Olympics. Do you? Yeah, going to the you Olympics. Know, yeah, yeah. to think about that, or do you? Do you just try to stay in the moment?
3: I try to stay. I try to stay pretty level-headed in the moment. I've thought about it before. Um, I tell people all the time that you know, if my career were to when when my career ends in in bobsled, and you know, saying to be able to compete for Team USA on the highest level in international athletics is has been a dream. It's been a dream come true. A a dream that I didn't even really know I had until I started doing it. Kind of chasing that same idea of like being a part of something bigger than yourself. And then, you know, if I'm blessed enough and, and, and I make it to the Olympic stage, I think that's just that's icing on the cake. And I have thought about, you know, what it what it would mean to not only myself, but more just to my mentors, my friends, family, uh, people in Oxford, the state of Mississippi. I think it would be it would be for it wouldn't be just for me. It would be for all of them. And that's I try to keep that in mind, especially, you know, every day when I I'll go compete next week and same thought in my mind. Right. Like this is it's it's not just me doing it. Right. It's the it's the hundreds of and not thousands of people behind me that have invested in me along the way. And I, I keep that in mind as I as I go forward.
2: All right. Last thing. How's your dad? Uh, he was one of those one of the guys that I remember. I've covered this college football stuff now for God, longer than I want to. Acknowledge because by acknowledging it, I acknowledge how old I'm getting. But I, I, at least a quarter century of of pretty much being a beat writer, whether it was covering Auburn or Alabama or LSU or the Saints or Ole Miss or whoever. What's how's your dad doing?
3: He's good. He's good. He he got a he was coaching at Jackson State with Dion. They had an amazing run. Um, decided not to go to Colorado, uh, a little too far from my mom. Um, but he's doing good. He's coaching high school football now and. Um, looking to get into the speaking game and uh, be a public speaker and, and share his story and his message as a college football coach. And that's kind of where he wants to go now with his career. And, you know, college football is something that, you know, it, it shaped our family, right? It was something that we will always love and always enjoy no matter what. And, you know, he, he loved his time at Ole Miss. He loves the Rebels. He loves the people of Oxford. You know, it's the, some of the best people – in the United States. And I, I've been to a lot of places in the U S and I have no problem saying that.
2: Well, listen, please tell uh, your parents that I said hello and um, I'll be following you. I'd love to keep in touch and, and what a cool story. And, and I certainly hope for your sake that it, it ends on an Olympic stage somewhere. Cause that would be, that'd be awesome. But congratulations for taking leaps of faith in, in your life. And I mean, I think that's a that's a lesson for a lot of people, not just young people, but lots of people to just sometimes take a, take a risk, you know? And I mean, you did and it's paid off. And I think that's really cool.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, and, you know, I just want to say thank you again to all the people in Oxford, all the people in Mississippi, you know, I love you guys with all my heart, um, friends, mentors, families, you know, you guys, I wouldn't be where I am without you guys. And, and I just, I, another thing I want to touch on too is, you know, being a team USA athlete, we're the only Country that we don't fund our athletes, right? So, from a government a government level, right? All the teams we compete against, you know, Germany, Switzerland, France, you know, they're all funded, you know, by their government. So, a lot of us, we have to do, you know, I have a job, but also we get by by sponsors and, and partners. So, sorry for the sorry for You're the. <laughs> so you guys can find me on 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 Instagram um, at emarkey 80 and Facebook Elliot Markison. um and yeah, I'm looking for you know potential donors and, and partners and sponsors to kind of get me through these next two and a half, three years left in the in the quad. Um, and yeah, and, and I had a lot of friends that wanted to give a shout out. You know, Tyler King from Oxford, Mississippi, loves your show. He listens to it uh, uh, all the time. So,
2: <laughs> well, I appreciate all of that. Now, uh, again, best of luck to you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and your family. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Awesome. Merry Christmas. Our thanks to Elliot Marcuson for his time today on the Oxford Exxon podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Hope you have a great weekend. Lots of programming up at MPW digital. Hope you enjoy it. Check it out. Uh, everything from hand raised guys to uh, the Chase Parham podcast and more. The Josh Hendrickson show. There's a lot there over the course of uh, the week. We hope you enjoy over the weekend. and We'll be back with a full weekend of uh, a full week. I should say of MPW digital uh, content next week. Uh, Starting with Monday mornings, Oxford Exxon podcast. Until then, have a great weekend. Take care.